And now, a real story from a real soldier. It's the Soldier Stories Podcast on Facebook and Twitter at Podcast Soldier. This week's Soldier Story begins. All right, it is time for another episode of the Soldier Stories Podcast. My name is Fife. I'm here with my wife, Kat. Hello. And we are also here with Naval Petty Officer First Class John Rosencrantz, and we have been discussing your military career. Uh, you served in World War II. When we left off on the last podcast, we had been talking about a couple of things. Life on an aircraft carrier. Well, can we, can we, before we jump into what happened on the Franklin, let's talk a little bit about life on the aircraft carrier. What was it? What was the food like? What was uh, the showering situation? What was all of that like on an aircraft carrier? How does that work? <laughs> I guess the Yorktown was a very unique ship in the fact that that we had uh, uh, we we had a skipper who was was for the enlisted man, okay, and uh, and he wanted to be first in everything that we did. He wanted to be the first in the combat. He wanted to be the first to this and the first to that. And as a result of it, he made the ship very well known. Uh, the food was excellent. About uh, if you. Uh, you 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 always wanted seconds. Really? And uh, I don't know, it got back to him and, and uh, he lined up for dinner or whatever meal it was. And uh, if there was enough left over, well, if you wanted to get back in line again, you could. And uh, I mean, you, did, you, you had plenty to eat and it was very good. That's uh, one of the things of... The, the, the air crew, we didn't have to stand in line. Oh. So, so we, we we could always come to the head of the line because we were always on call for, for a flight. It makes sense because at any point in time, you, they could say, hey, you got to go and you got to get in your plane and go. Yeah, it uh, it was, well, we, we do pretty much, you know, what what uh, what, what we're having to do, uh, you, you know, if you're going to fly that day or not. And uh, it, it was anti-sub patrol. That was a three-hour deal. Well, if you're gonna miss a meal, there were sandwiches made. Oh, nice! I mean, you, you, it was that's just the way he ran the ship, and, and it, as a result of it, you'd do anything for him. And, um, and, and it was just the opposite on the Franklin. Yeah, you get on the Franklin, <laughs> and it's completely opposite. And yeah. we are definitely gonna go into some detail on that. Um, can I get you? Do you recall any specific missions when before you got on the Franklin when you were still in the Yorktown? Do you recall any specific missions that you flew? Oh, quite a few of them, I guess. I I can't remember the name of the islands as much as I should, I suppose. I guess one of the one of the raids that we made was uh, the island of Kwajalein because they were making landings and we were covering the landings for 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 that particular fire. And then uh, you could see what was going on. And I kind of. That that was that one kind of stuck stuck in my head because uh, uh, we took off. Uh, we we were uh, six planes in our in our uh, group. We took off and uh, we reported to the to the air controller that there were six aircraft with uh, five hundred pound bombs. And uh, he said, "All right." He, then he would park us over over the area a little bit, and we'd just circle around until we'd get a call from the ground that a pillbox was holding them up or there was some other thing that was holding them up and could could we take it out? Well, then he'd say, all right, we, we take uh, three of the planes, we'll say, and 
bomb that area. And it was a, it was a pillbox, so then we tried to take that out for them. Who was in control of dropping the bombs? In the earlier years, when it first came out, they were supposed to be a bombardier in the plane, but it, it didn't work out the way. So the pilot selected the bombs. He, he, he had a, a, a bomb selector uh, that you turned, which you, you could drop one bomb, two bombs, three drops, whatever you would want, or you could sell with the whole works. Okay. And um, and then he was, if it was a torpedo, we'd make a torpedo run. He did, he he dropped all the all the armament. The the radioman then confirmed that the uh, bomb had been dropped because he he had a little glass window that he could look into the bomb bay with. Okay, so it really is a team effort. The bombs are dropped, and then the radar guy has to confirm whether they went or not. I mean, it's a team effort all around on that plane. Well, the the, the radio man was, was also the radar man. He had a lot to do because coming in on, uh, if it was bad or what, he always picked it up on the radar, checked if Pound Bay after it was dropped, see it was all clear, and um, contact with any any problems that he had with coming back to the ship or whatever it might be. And then you mentioned um, if there was a pillbox, you'd have to um, bomb that so that they could get through. What's a pillbox? A concrete structure that's probably round that looks like a pillbox. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And Usually they'll have machine guns stationed there. And they, and they were buried in sand or inside of a hill or whatever they were. And then they would have a machine gun in there or, or uh, well, usually a machine gun is what they would oh, have okay. in there. And they were placed strategically so that you'd catch guys coming in from the landing they'd have it covered that's what the plane was we tried to hit this nice we we did pretty good we we knocked a lot of them out wow (laughs) i said we i was i was the planes that were that were assigned to that did uh did you guys end up having um enemy planes contact you in the air at all i mean was that something that you dealt with Yes, we did. Uh, we had one, um, my pilot called up and said uh, <clears throat> that we had a bogey coming in. And uh, so I got my turret ready and uh, I couldn't train it. Uh, in other words, I couldn't swing from side to side. Oh. I, I could go elevation, but I couldn't swing it. And uh, hopefully, and <laughs> and I, <laughs> I tried to get that thing to work, <laughs> wondering where the plane was. And uh the enemy plane was, uh, oh, I would have to say that he was maybe uh, 800 yards away. But um, we weren't in his sights, thank heaven for that. Yeah. And what had happened is the clutch on my on my uh, turret had dropped loose, and I just reflected again. Well, then I could work it again, but then he was long gone. Okay. Thank heaven. <laughs> so you did not have to fire on him not, because no, he, he took off. No, we just f- fired it. Oh, we've just did a lot of strafing, that's all. I noticed and I don't, I please tell me if I sound dumb asking this, but um, when I look at the gun, the turret gun itself, if you were in a fight up there, is it possible for you to shoot your own tail on the plane the way it looked like? It looks like it can. Is that a possibility, or it can't turn in that way? If you stayed away, if if you were if you were um, you had a manual override, or right, if if you stayed away from the manual override, the gun would come back again. It would be lined up with a tail, but it would be off to one side. One of our crew, he was always he was always getting himself in trouble. He was he was always monkeying. He, he he didn't pay attention to what was going on. He was doing, and he was he was playing with the. It was just coming into a landing now. He was playing with the uh, manual control of his gun. Uh, wh- why he was doing it, I don't know. And all of a sudden, you heard a boom, boom, boom. 
Oh, no. Uh-oh. And uh, the plane landed, and sure enough, his nickname was Goober. <laughs> and uh, and we just said, oh, I wonder what Goober did now. Well, sure enough, he'd, he'd put a fifty caliber through his tail. Oh, no. <laughs> so what happens to a guy who does that? I mean, no. is there, is there he a reprimand? Fl- he didn't fly for a while. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I would not want to be known as the guy who shot the tail of his own plane. Yeah, well, that, that was Goober, though. <laughs> I think it went right over the top of his head. <laughs> it was no big deal for him. Uh, no. Thank <laughs> you. Um, um, that's my favorite story so far. I'm not going to lie. That's amazing. So, you know, you're overseas. You're on a ship. Had you ever done traveling before? I know you said you hadn't been in a plane before, but um, had you been out of Wisconsin, out of the U.S. before, or is this really all new for you? Uh, I would have to say that about any long trip that we made at the time, I think was Chicago. Okay. Okay. It's about the furthest we ever ever went. So Oshkosh to Chicago is like an hour and 20, hour and a half maybe by car. From? from is that what sound right? From where? From Oshkosh to Chicago is it about an hour and a half. Does that sound right? Uh, no, it'd be more like uh, like two and a half hours, three hours. Okay. Now, I, in those years, it was, it was almost an overnight trip. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and a little quicker nowadays yeah, with the highways a, getting the way they are. <laughs> not, now it's zip zip and you're down there. Mm. So, what was it like then to uh, experience all these new places you'd never seen before? Oh, it, it was very interesting. It, uh, Places, I mean, you've never seen it. The, the the people were different. Of course, we didn't see that many people though, either. Sure. Well, when it got over to the to the the islands, when we started, when we first got over, there was was be uh, we were in Hawaii and um, going through the Panama Canal. That was very interesting. Then the people over there, I couldn't get over the fact that uh, that there was a time difference. Oh yeah. You know, I, I, that that. I couldn't get that through my head. Well, it still screws me up every year <laughs> when we have daylight savings, and then I'm trying to remember when my family's all on the east uh, eastern time. Like I'm like thinking, oh, it's only nine o'clock there. No, it's ten o'clock. They're in bed. Yeah, that screws me up all the time. I'm with you. <laughs> I think that's a little bit more drastic though than what yeah. you were used to. <laughs> but uh, getting back to your question, uh, we we went by time while we were going into combat. When we first got out there, there were no bases. We had no bases out there in the islands. Uh, the only base we had was in 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 uh, Hawaii. Oh. And so we had to go from Hawaii all the way out to the islands, halfway to Japan, and then come all the way back again. And it got a little bit boring because all you could, it was just water. Sure. <laughs> Did you guys find ways to pass the time while you were on the boat? Uh, with an air crew, I mean, we we were we were air crew, and we weren't ship's company. And uh, so, as a result of it, the ship's crew had they had to do all the work. Uh, they had time. They had to stand the watches. They had to do that. We were the air crew, and as a result of it, uh, the only thing we had to do to break monotony was to fly any sub patrols. And other than that, you just—I learned to play cards. <laughs> I learned to gamble. Yeah. <laughs> I learned to lose. <laughs> Uh, do you recall ever spotting a submarine while you were out on your patrols? No. Uh, we were taught what to look for. We were taught to look for, you know, for a periscope, uh, for the feather of water, because you wouldn't spot the scope itself. Sure. You'd you'd see the feather of water, and that's what you would be looking for. But that's we never saw that. 
when you were up uh, when you were up in the the sky on your patrols, did you guys have conversations with each other up there, or was it just kind of silence while you were flying around? Oh, well, I mean, you didn't carry on a regular conversation or anything. Um, you, you'd, you'd make a comment now and then, and, and if you wanted to talk to the pilot, he, they didn't encourage. Uh, we only had the we only had one pilot um, uh, of the, the one of the pilots that, that uh, he, he liked to talk to the crew. It's, I mean, he would comment to something about it. And then, but if I wanted to talk to the radio man, I usually jumped down down below where he was and yelled oh. at him through that, you know, and get or pass notes back and forth. But there wasn't that much to talk about. It. Oh. It's, it's, uh, but there was uh, the, the my first radio man. Uh, he was very easygoing, and he was from, he was from Chicago, by the way, too. But he was, and it wasn't, he was a real nice guy. And uh, I looked down there one time, and I couldn't believe I said, "I said, oh my goodness, I could, all I could see was his feet." <laughs> and then I got down a little bit lower in the turret, and here he's stretched out, <laughs> eating our eating his pemmican. Uh, that the oh, it's a uh, it's um. In case you went down, it's a survival kit. Oh, he, he was he, just sitting there he, eating it. He, he was he was eating his survival kit. He was he, he was stretched out. He was enjoying the he was enjoying the trip. <laughs> I'll never forget that. I love that. Mm. Um, so, when you guys were on the ship, did you hang out around each other when you were not flying? With would, would would your crew just your specific plane, your guys that you fly with? Did you hang around and pal around playing cards, or was it just with other pilots and no. and members in general? No, we, we 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 played with. I mean, we talked with everybody, and we played cards with everybody, and we were we were just a a, a very compact group. Okay. And the pilots had their ready room, and we had our ready room. Okay. And. Uh, and then he had, um, I don't know how, how to say it. it, it looked like a TV screen, but it was, uh, they could broadcast uh, um, whatever orders were coming through for pilots. Uh, they, they, they'd give the weather and they'd, they'd give uh, whatever conversations were being carried on with a pilot that would be flying or something like that. You could, okay. I don't know, you, be, you, you became part of that then. Uh, one of the newsreels that we had watched when we were prepping to talk to you, um, it was showing uh, ships passing mail on a line from one to the other. Did, was it? Did, I, I'm assuming it was pretty difficult back then to get and you mean get, shooting and, a line. Yeah, when they were and they were passing mail and soldiers and, and and they were going back and forth on the line there. Uh, but was was it difficult to stay in contact with your family? Did you write to family while you were over there? You could you could write your letters. They wouldn't be sent out. If you were under refueling or rearming or revittling, th- then you have what these lines back and forth, what you were talking about. Okay. Uh, then uh, the the uh, oiler would come up alongside of us, and then they'd pass the mail over, and uh, which would be probably maybe three months old or whatever. Okay. Whatever it was. Did you write while you were there? Did you bother to write or? Oh, I oh yeah, I wrote. I, I guess I wrote at least once a week, and then of course it was always nice to get the mail. Yeah. And, well, it gives uh, you something to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then if we had a pilot that was uh, that that had a ditch coming in next to a next to a destroyer, well, then the destroyer would pick him up and then uh, bring him alongside the ship, and then they'd pass pass a line, and then they'd bring him back 
back across on a breacher's buoy, and then he'd come back aboard. And then that would be a line that you'd see, too. Okay. Is it weird to see somebody being passed between ships on a line like well, that? Well, it isn't weird. It's just uh, you wouldn't want to be it because <laughs> be the guy that was being ever because it was, oh, that the, the water in between the ships was very, very rough and roiled. Yeah. And uh, if, he, if he dropped in, he was gone. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely don't think I'd want to be that guy. <laughs> no, I don't either. You wanted to know about uh, you wanted to know about the Franklin. You, you said something about yeah. The well, you had mentioned before we get into the that moment specifically, but you had mentioned Kamikaze had done a oh. lot of damage to it prior. When you started to hear about Kamikaze pilots. What went through your head knowing that these guys specifically were getting in their planes and knowingly killing themselves to try and take down the enemy? Like, did you have a thought about that, a thought process in your mind? When it was uh, happening, I mean, we got out there when we went up with the Franklin. Uh, that was the third time. That was the one, two. Yeah, that was the third time out. And uh, the kamikaze hadn't started that it was just started while we were in. I mean, really, really got into it. And um, we had four attacks by by the kamikaze and beat them. We, we, we were very fortunate. We beat them all off. The Franklin, when the Franklin was hit, that was not a kamikaze. Oh, that one wasn't. That was not a kamikaze. That was a, that was a, a I don't know what you'd call him. I mean, he was, he wasn't about to give up his life if he didn't have to, I would guess. But, okay. it, but uh, there was a, the Judy, that was the name of the plane, by the way. There was a torpedo plane, a Japanese torpedo plane was named Judy. And um, uh, that's what hit us. And he dropped two 500-pound bombs and was on his way out away from the ship. And then the, our combat air patrol shot him down. And uh, we, we were in the plane. Our, our engines were going, and we were ready to be brought up forward to take off. We were, I think, the third line back at that particular time. And I heard this screaming, this screaming, uh, high-speed engine screaming. And I looked up, and it, I thought it looked at the angle that I was looking at looked like an SB2C. And I thought, what in heaven's name is wrong with that pilot coming against traffic? And then he banked, he banked away, and here's a big red ball on it. And I thought, oh, you guys, it's a Jap. We've been hit. Oh, and I turned around in the turret and looked up, and then I could see the fire and the smoke coming. I didn't hear any explosion. I didn't feel any. I didn't even feel any explosion. Wow. And the carriers, the the uh, the Essex class carrier was designed with an armored hangar deck, not a flight deck. The flight deck was wood, and so. The idea there was so that if, if you were hit by a bomb, it would go through and explode on the hangar deck and preserve the flight deck. Well, as a result of it, it exploded on the hangar deck. And um, what was so terrible about it is that the Marine squadron that we had, their engines were running down on the hangar deck and they were being topped off with gasoline oh. when that hit. And it just, it just blew everything apart. When it hit, you said you didn't see or really feel anything other than seeing the pilot himself, what was the immediate thing that had to happen? Did you exit your plane? Well, when I saw the plane that it was a Japanese, yeah, uh, I just noted that it was a Japanese plane, but then I was more concerned as to where he'd hit in the fire and um, getting out of the plane. 
you specifically, what did you do as you exited the plane? Did you head towards the fire to see if you could help put it? I mean, how does that work? I, I honestly oh. don't know. Is it just pure chaos at this point? Well, first of all, you didn't know what was going on. So first of all, you want to get out of that plane because it was uh, ahead of us, from what I could see, was fire. And um, the plane ahead of us, um, they they were exiting their plane. So the, we, we got out of ours and, and then we just, we, we didn't know where to go. And so... Uh, I don't know, I got separated from the rest of our guys, and, and I thought, well, I'm going to make my way forward. And uh, I, I got down into a hatch, to, 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 thought I was going to go forward, and it was all, it was all smoke. It, you couldn't see where you're going. And I thought, this isn't, this isn't right. So then I came back up on the flight deck again, and, and then my pilot was standing right there, and I said, we, we should probably try to get forward if we can. And... Uh, and he said, "Take a look." And it, it was just—it was just all black with smoke and, and fire. There was no way you could get forward. And uh, so then I said, "Well, maybe she should. We should push some of these planes over the side." And he said, "Well, let's check." So we looked over the side, and if we would have pushed the plane over, it landed on—I don't know how many guys down below. So we left oh. that alone. Yeah, let's let's talk about that real quick. We started to get into that on the last podcast. You had a guy running the boat who literally ignored the fact that a Japanese plane was in the vicinity. So this was mistake number one. After you guys were hit, did the chain of command have any other big mistakes looking back that you're aware of that caused this to be a, a worse situation than it than it well, could have been? I guess if you're asking me personally, uh, you know, as to what I, I couldn't answer what was happening for him because uh, we, we couldn't even see the, we couldn't even see the island from where we were. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, it was too, too much smoke coming back at us. And I, to this day, I mean, I never heard anybody say to, uh, the, to abandon ship. It would, it went by word of mouth of the guys that were standing there that couldn't get forward. Well, I'm not going to stand here. I'm going over the side. Well, what was, what was, uh, most prevalent there was looking down in the water and seeing all these guys in the water. They, they had no place to go but in the water. And uh, as a result of it, we just stood there for a while and said, well, I guess, I guess there's no place for us to go. So we waited our turn to go down the line, and, and we went down the line and hit the water then. So you were on the ship for quite a while before you ended up abandoning ship then? I would, yes. Well... I, I don't know the exact amount of time it was. I would have to say from the time it was hit until the time we went over the side, oh, gosh. I doubt if it would be much more than a half an hour Okay. because the fire was so go, going so strong. And when I was going down the line, I was just even with the, even with the hangar deck, and I could look in, and the heat was just, uh, I don't know how the, anybody could even stand in there because it was so... Uh, so terrific from mine I'm hanging on a rope on the outside and it was so terribly hot and then it was nothing but all you could see in there was flame and smoke Mm. and you knew that there was people in there and hope that they got out and I think you just continued down the line and and then you hit the water I had my helmet on and my gloves and my Mae West (laughs) And when I hit the water, the the speed of the water, the force of the water took my helmet and my gloves off. Wow. <laughs> and then I came up and, uh, and hit my life jacket and watched the ship go away. And all you could see was big, big red flames and, and, uh, and popping noises and smoke. And then it went over the horizon. It was gone, you know. What 
did that feel like? Seeing the uh, ship disappear and now you're floating in the it's water. It's the funniest thing that uh, it, it was real quiet. After the ship was gone, I didn't see another. I couldn't see anybody. And it was real quiet. And I wondered, what in heaven's name am I going to do now? And um, then the, the wave brought me up a little bit higher. And then I noticed that there was some guys with, on a life raft. And I start swimming towards them. And then there was another, another one came into view. And, and then I made it onto that life raft. And, and what time of day was it? Was it? Um, seven o'clock in the morning. Oh, so it was early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how was the water? Was it cold? Was it warm? Do you remember? It was wet. I know that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, I believe it. And, uh, but it was, uh, I don't know. I, oh, it was cold. Come to think, yes, it was cold because, uh, oh, and I never got on board that, I never got on that life raft. Did you just cling to the side of it? No, uh, there were so many guys on it. And uh, there was one guy that, that uh, oh, he was terribly burned. And they, uh, oh, we, we, we would get him onto the raft. And uh, then there was one guy that, that uh, he he wouldn't he wouldn't get off. I mean he wouldn't he, he just he he just he was I don't think he knew what he was doing. He was just so so afraid. Frozen, yeah. Yeah, and uh, somebody knocked him off anyway, and he they got the they got the guy that was wounded. They got him on on top. But what's the funny thing? Um, I would have to say the the. The life raft the, the, was uh, about this wide. The, the, it was make it out of cork. Oh. And it was about um, just about if you ran this curve, this curve, that back to the wall, and then come back again was about the size of it. Okay, so it wasn't real big. No, it wasn't real big. It has a, a, a net bottom, and the net bottom wasn't was burned away. Oh. Well, nobody geez. knew that. So. You're going to help some guy up to to get in there. Here, get up on top of there. You know, he pushed him on top, and he went down. And all of a sudden, wow. he disappeared. No bottom. Oh. <laughs> had to bring him back up again. Wow. And uh, so, I I had my one hand on a guy's uh, belt. He was on the raft, so I had my hand on his belt, and a box of uh, empty box of grenades were on my other arm, and in my life jacket. Wow. <laughs> How long did you end up in the water there before they came back or, or before a rescue boat arrived? Oh, I must say uh, in a couple of hours, I guess. And when I got up on a board ship and they pulled me up, um, <laughs> I couldn't stand. It, my, my legs were numb. It was, it, was so, it was cold. And so now you want to ask, that's the only way I could do it. It was cold. It was an experience. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, you just, you, 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 you didn't remember what happened. And until afterward, did did I do that or didn't I do that? Or? So did you find yourself analyzing that over the years? What did I do or what I didn't do right? Or no, I I I, I don't think that I did anyway. It's okay. just, I just uh, I guess the thing that 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 was so. First of all, you got to remember it's you it never happened to you before, mm-hmm. so it it was all new. So you you you. you the guys that were, when you were in school or something, they were telling you how to save yourself on a, on a left. Uh, you know, it, it, it isn't that way. You, you, you do what you have to do at that particular moment. And uh, I was glad that I was able to do what I did and that I was able to survive. And, and there was a lot of guys felt the same way. The Franklin did not sink. 
No, it did not sink. And um, what was the fallout from the people who abandoned ship without the order? Um, first of all, we were we were we were air group, so it didn't pertain to us. I mean, we we went over the side whether whether he liked it or not. It, it we 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 didn't take order. <laughs> we didn't take orders from him anyway. And but the the. Uh, the the mess cooks usually manned the twenty millimeters along the side of the the the, the 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 deck, and they were usually they were usually the mess cooks. As a result of it, they were right at this division point where you, if you if you were lucky enough to go forward, you, you got out of it, and if you weren't, if you were maybe ten feet, and you couldn't go any further, you were in the back, and you you either stayed there or you were burned to death. Mm. So those are the people that went over the side. You had you you just could not go forward. Those are the people that he that he uh, uh, court-martialed because wow. they went over the side. They, he didn't tell them to abandon ship, and he didn't order them to abandon ship. They ran away from him, and uh, I guess quite a number of years before they got this thing straightened out. But they got. What do I want to say? Was it an honorable discharge after that? They, point? they got a, a discharge. A correct discharge later on. So again, it goes back to uh, different styles of running a ship uh, between the Yorktown and then before ending up on the Franklin. You had two different oh. two different types of people running ships. Oh yeah, it'd be like A to Z. I mean, the Yorktown would have been an A, and and Franklin would have been a Z because he's. Uh, I don't know how that man even got to be a captain. Wow. He was in charge of a ship up in uh, in the Alaskan area, and he lost it. He lost it up there. And why? How he got on a carrier? Oh. I don't know. He thought that he should have the Congressional Medal of Honor because he saved his ship. And later on, uh, he received. I think he received a Navy Cross. But uh, his um, uh, second in command got uh, the Congressional Medal of Honor. Okay. He he did more, he he did he did everything the captain should have done. It's just too bad that he that he he's the one that should have gotten a dishonorable discharge. Yeah. Just to get rid. I mean, he, that would never happen. But mm-hmm. I don't I don't know of a soul that I know that would have a nice word for him. Sure. Out of curiosity, so after um, you had to abandon the Franklin, and then you were rescued by another ship, uh, what happens after that for you? Well, I was the USS Hunt is the one that picked us up as, as a destroyer, and then we stayed aboard her until we got to uh, until we got to Guam, and then we were put aboard a um, a troop transport, and it brought us back to Pearl, and then at Pearl Harbor, uh, we got on a, a baby flat top, a jeep job, and uh, came back to the states, and it was uh, some other. Some other crew members were aboard from another air, another uh, ship that had been hit, and then some aircraft that were going to that were coming back to the states. And was that it for you, or did they cycle you back in? We got back into the states, and then uh, uh, we were given thirty day leave. And when we came back off the leave, we went aboard another ship. If the war hadn't ended, then we would have been going into overseas. So, Jack, do you remember where you were exactly when you found out that we had dropped bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki? That happened when we were in the States. Of course, a lot of rumors, you know, you, where the war's over now. And it, 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 well, we got to this point where it, we'll know it's over when, it's, when we're going on home then. 
So it didn't, when you heard about that, it didn't change your thought process. You figured you were still headed back and that you were. Uh, yeah, because it, 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 it was, the Japanese hadn't, hadn't, uh, hadn't surrendered as yet. It, and until, it's, was it a week or so after that? Yeah. It's that uh, they, they surrendered then. And then, then we knew that we were definitely not going to go. But then it was a matter of when would we get out? Well, then we were got the all-service uh, Navy Navy per, per, personnel were given numbers. You earned your so many numbers by, by so many years that you were, or so many months or whatever time that you served in, 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 in service. You received so many, so many points. And when you'd reach a certain point, you were discharged. And uh, when we left Astoria, Oregon, uh, when we got down there, then then it was looking for your numbers. Okay. Okay. And uh, I was there, I was there maybe two months, and then my number came up, and then I was on my way home. Was there a sense of relief when it was time to go home finally? Yeah, it was fun to go home. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hadn't been home for quite some time, and I was going to think, uh, well, I was home on a thirty-day leave, and then. So, so I was have to, I would have to say I was back home again in six months. How did it feel to finally be home and sleeping in your own bed? Was it a weird thing at first, or was it a happy thing? It was it was a happy thing. I guess one of the things I I wasn't being told what I had to do. I, <laughs> yeah. I could do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. So, but other than that, then then uh, well, we had uh, schooling. You know, we wanted to come to school. You had the GI Bill. And so I was thinking of going on to school with that. So, so it was it was uh, it was a it was a lot of fun. We I got to, we got my schooling all fixed around, and and then I was home. I think uh, I was home for three months, and then my school started. So, how had life changed um, from before you went off to war, and then once you got home, um, had things changed? Did you feel different? Um, was the community different? I think what happened is uh, you probably missed the service more than you did when you were home. I mean, <laughs> you, you you say, "Well, gee, was it? it it's pretty nice now, but uh, what's going to happen now?" You could think for yourself. You didn't have to have somebody thinking for you. Mm -hmm. it, uh, oh, and 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 it uh, it just meant that now you're going to live yourself, live your own life now, and so you're planning for your own life. It, and it, it worked out for me. Everything worked, kind of fell in line and worked out real good. Did you meet your wife while you were in the service or after? I met my wife after service. After yeah. service? Yeah. When the readjustment period, getting back to civilian life, when you would see um, – New movie coming out about World War II, or you know something based on World War II. Did you avoid watching that stuff, or did you enjoy being able to take a look back and see what was going on in other parts of the the war that you weren't in? Was it something you tried to avoid, or did you try? Did you enjoy watching it? You mean, does it bother me too? Does it bother you, or did did you? Mm -mm. No. no, no. I mean, I could I can watch a documentary or anything like this, and I could some sometimes I can compare to what what I went through, mm -hmm. but I mean, it doesn't, uh, I don't know, I, I, it, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I shouldn't say that either. It, it brings back memories of when I was in and usually you know, some of the guys that, that I palled around with that didn't make it home, that, that uh, you always kind of think of them. Mm -hmm. But now it's, it's, it's a long time ago now. Sure. 
you don't want to forget it. I mean, you you always want to honor their their being, so so to speak. And uh, I guess that's about the way I feel about it. It's I, I wouldn't want to go through it again. That's for sure. After you came home, you you had been in combat. Um, you were fighting in a war. Did that change um, how you felt about? like the country of Japan. Um, Mm -mm. And have you had any changes throughout your life and things like that? No, it's... it's, uh that Japan today and the people of Japan today aren't the people then. Of course, I wasn't, I wasn't taken a prisoner either, so mm-hmm. my feelings would have, would have been probably different there too. Did you ever go back? Have you been back to any of these places where you had served? Did you ever travel since the war? To any of the places? I never had any money to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had, when I was in service, it was all free. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you wish that you would have had that opportunity to go back and see it as maybe a tourist? Oh, I've thought of that. I, I thought of that. If, I, if, I, if the, if the, Opportunity ever arose that uh, that I could do that. It'd be fun to go back to see what's what's there now. And then sometimes that you get a documentary on TV that you can see that uh, some of those islands in the Pacific as to what they are today, as to what they had been. And uh, it, it'd be interesting to to see some of that. Uh, of course, it's a long time ago too. There's, you got to remember, I'm ninety some years old, and, <laughs> and, uh, and most of those people would be gone too. <laughs> Did your crew, uh, your specific plane, did you guys get any medals or accommodations for uh, battles that you were involved in for, you know, any of the any of the uh, missions that you flew? I received the, the letter of commendation. I guess that's the lowest medal you can get. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and my radio man got the got received an air medal okay. uh, for uh, we dropped our, our bombs in New Guinea. And the the, uh, the weather closed in on us, and with with the, the the radar that we had, he brought us out of there without hitting a mountain. Oh wow! And uh, and he led he led we had uh, three other planes with us that we, he led them out. He received the air medal for that. Very cool. Yeah, and then another friend of mine got the air medal for shooting down a Jap plane and saving his own plane, and. Uh, well, that's, but that's, yeah, well, there, there were medals given out. It's, I always like to say mine was on the bottom. <laughs> I, I didn't get to the top. And Jack, you seem so humble. Um, do you feel like a hero? Oh, gosh, no, I didn't do anything. Oh. Uh, I think that's a bit too humble. You did a lot. Your right. entire generation did a lot. I know we had that conversation before about the greatest generation, and mm. when you lived it, you don't feel that way. But, yeah. you know, I, being from a, a generation uh, farther down the road, am embarrassed at my generation comparatively. A lot of less patriotism and a lot more laziness with, uh, it seems like, every generation since your generation. Yeah. And I hate to see it, but... You know, it's it's where we've gone. So I think you're being a bit too humble because I, you know, you changed the world. I mean, you and every soldier that fought in that war changed the world yeah. and changed so many countries' lives for the better. So it did. You know, it, it made a huge impact. It did, and 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 I think the thing that that hurts me and that uh, I just can't understand is the people that used it to further themselves, and it's just it's it's wrong. It's just it's so wrong because. They didn't do anything other than watch somebody else die for what they are now living for. 
and it's that's it, it it's not even taken into consideration it's and when we were out there uh we we had a so-called job to do i guess is the way you want to put it uh and you did it you know you, you griped about it you might have done some of that that but but uh well i i shouldn't have had to do this or i shouldn't have to do that and, and but you did it and went on to the next thing <laughs> you know it was but uh you you'll find i i think i think in talking to people that in my category uh, i think that you'll find each one of them will be the same that uh, i didn't do anything special and you know they 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 think the same thing well we think you're a hero <laughs> well, thank you do you uh do you find yourself getting random handshakes from soldiers when they they realize that you're a veteran uh, once in a while yeah, yeah. they, they once in a while, you'll come across a person that's, and I think they sincerely mean it too, and they yep. do that. Well, I mentioned earlier my father's a Vietnam veteran, and uh, you know when we had him on Soldier Stories, mm-hmm. uh, the coming home wasn't it wasn't a parade. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a great return for those guys, and so um, I know that uh, every time I've been out with him and he's had his hat on and somebody shook his hand, like it's that close to bringing me to tears because I know that. You know, he didn't get to experience that kind of respect mm-hmm. uh, upon return home. What was your return home like? Did did you come home to a, a, a very proud and respectful country after World War II? Oh, I would say we did, yes, because all of us, when I say all of us, I think all of us, all of the servicemen, um, it was completely different. I mean, we we were we were fighting for our country, and these other these other uh, these other so-called wars, uh, which were political, uh, th- those those are the guys that uh, th- they should be having the, their hands shaked and and, uh, and their back slapped because they're the ones that did a heck of a lot. Nobody did anything for them when they came home. There, there was with the Korea. Uh, was it ten years later? They yeah. went to what Korea? Well, when they they, they were they they were almost didn't get their their school. You know that uh, giving that. GI Bill. The, the GI Bill. They were. Ex, they were. They didn't want to extend that to those people, and I, I, I can't understand that. When when you, when you take those people, and and put them in, their, in when, when they're in service, uh, they did a job, they, and they didn't gripe about their job. But if they got hurt, or oh, you, it, it, uh, uh, it's it's a mental thing, it, like getting hitting in the head with football. You know, you get to. Uh, you don't see it. There's nothing wrong with that man. He must. It's uh, it, finally they're they're thinking about. Well, maybe maybe we should be doing something for those people. And Jack, did any of your um, children? Have you had grandchildren, nieces or nephews? Anyone following you go into the military? Uh, I have one grandson that, that wanted to go into the military, but we decided that she shouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> We talked about some of the some of the bad things you went through while you were. Do you have a uh, a best memory from when you were when you were serving overseas? Is there a best memory that stands out to you that you just you love to think about? I really don't have anything that nothing ever happened to me that uh, that I thought that I was being taken advantage of. And no, I, I and I don't have any really bad memories. 
Sure. That I can think of anyway. It's crazy that you say that because I feel like going into the water off of a burning ship would not be a, <laughs> a good memory. I feel like that would be a very bad memory. <laughs> Floating in the ocean with nothing for hours. That It's crazy. You have such a great attitude. I don't know how you do it. Well, I don't... <laughs> I guess I was rescued, and that, that, <laughs> and that, that answered the whole thing. I guess, uh, but uh, we had we had we we came back from one uh, one raid. Everybody, when you come back from a raid, everybody would land in in the ready room. Then the first thing you do is look at your plane, see how many holes you had in it. Oh, and oh, wow. uh, oh I didn't ha- I didn't get any holes this time. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. then this other guy would have another hole. Then one guy would come back, and, and you wonder how in the heaven's name he even got back because his plane, the plane wow. wasn't hard to hold together. Wow, man. Uh, so did your plane take a lot of damage over the time when you were there? I would say no. I mean, yes, we had we had battle damage coming back, and we had one came back, uh, I think it was a raid on truck. That was the Japanese Pearl Harbor. And, um, and we came back, uh, we were... We were coming. To, <laughs> we were coming. To, we we peeled off to come back to the hit the target, and uh, and you got to remember I'm riding backwards now, and uh, right above over the tail I could see above a black smoke. Well, that was anti aircraft, mm-hmm. and then I watched it, and I pretty soon heard another one, but it was coming closer. And then I called the pilot, and I said, "We're they, they got us in range, and I, you know, are you ready to drop?" And uh, he never he never answered me, but but he dropped, and then he we pulled off, and as soon as we pulled off, the next black puff was just about where we would have been. Wow! Yikes! And uh, but it was so funny to watch that smoke come. You know, it wasn't hurt. You didn't hit you, but he, he watched the little thing come right towards you. Oh boy! Would you say that was your closest call while you were while you were up there? I suppose your closest call was every time you're up in a plane. Yeah, you just hope that nothing happened. Then when we came back uh, from that raid, then we had a hole in the, the we had a hole in the in the plane that hit our it hit our hydraulic system. Oh, and uh, so we couldn't we couldn't land we couldn't we couldn't get our wheels down we couldn't get our flaps down and so uh, they they wanted to know how much gas we had and they said well circle around for a while until we get the planes landed so they they landed all the other aircraft first. Then it was our turn. We couldn't get our wheels down. Oh. And then, and I happened to think when I was in school, they said that any water, any type of liquid would work in a hydraulic system if, if, if it was hit right. I took the pilots and my radioman's canteen, we poured that in, a, in the, uh, in the re- reservoir for our hydraulic system, and it was just enough to get the wheels down. Wow. And, uh, and, we, and when we landed... Um, I, I jumped out, you know, that was going to help the pilot get, a, and it was all, all hydraulic fluid on the, on the deck. <laughs> and I, the plane was here, only I ended up over there. But it was so slippery. Oh. <laughs> that was, See, but I, that right he had to there. Get him, I had to get out himself. That right there, when I hear that, you possibly saved all three of your lives by having that thought from school. I mean... What what is the likelihood of a plane being able to land without its its gear on a ship? Is it is it uh, possible? We, oh yeah, it would possible. We, we had I don't know what would have happened. Uh, the wheels were flapping this way, so whether they would have brought us in, 
the wheels would have then you know gone up into the into their uh, into the wings, and that would have been possibly the tail hook would have hit. They probably would have saved us that way. And if they wouldn't, have then then it would either either ditch the plane or else parachute. If we, if we were talking about it, I voted, <laughs> I vo- I voted for, I voted for the taking the chance on a plane. I mean on, on the deck. Okay. That's what I would have voted for. I, the last thing I wanted was a parachute. <laughs> uh, oh, one, one of my good friends was a parachute rigger, and he well, I wanted to kill him. I, I hope you didn't pack mine. <laughs> uh, another nice thing is is about the gunner is. Um, you know, we had a we had a parachute harness that we wore, but our parachute, the chute itself, was on the exit door. So we had to climb down out of the the pilot would say our bail out. So then I had to climb down out of the turret, down into the radioman's compartment, reach up and get the button, put it on, and then I'd jump out. Oh. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it would stay up that long. Right. <laughs> wow. wow. But you know, th- stuff you don't you don't think of that mm-hmm. stuff. You just go ahead and do it. <laughs> You just go ahead and do it. You just go ahead and do it, yeah. The way you talk about it, it's so matter of fact that I sit here and I'm like, I feel like I'd be the deer in headlights guy. I wouldn't I wouldn't know what to do. Boy, you would if you would if you go through it. I guess. Well the thing is, we we weren't green though either. Yeah. I mean we'd we'd had experience. We not we didn't jump from a plane, but you'd have well the mechanics of it, you'd know you'd know that and you'd take everybody'd take a chance. Everybody that would Bailed out was usually was the first time. Wow. So. Well, n- once you got home, uh, did you ever think about a career revolving around planes? Was that a thought process since you had been around them for so long? Well, when when I got home, you mean from service? Yep, when you were well, done with I the service. I went back to school and, and I got my A&E license. Oh, okay. Or A&P license now, they call it. And then I could work on aircraft. And uh, my dad had cancer at the time. Or you, what acquired it is the word, and um, and he asked me if I'd like to continue on if if I would waiting for school if would if I would take a trip around the, his territory and just tell everybody how he felt and I said sure so I ended up being on the road for forty two years wow. <laughs> wow I never I never did work at my trade so what what did your dad do that you ended up getting into. He worked. Uh, he sold underground novelties. Okay, underground novelties. Um. I got to tell you that was <laughs> caskets. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to put it that I've ever heard. Yeah, it is. Oh. Well, because I'm 12, I went a completely different <laughs> ra- direction on underground novelties, and <laughs> I wasn't thinking caskets. Um. <laughs> oh, that, that was. He, <laughs> he, he had a he had a real sense of humor, and um, he was in. Uh, I think that I think he was in Watertown for overnight, and he knew he, he and another salesman met for dinner, and they were they were talking about uh, uh, what the, uh, what their jobs were. You know, they they knew each other, and there was a fellow standing in by, back of him listening and. And they said, "Well, what what do you what do you fellows do?" And my dad said, "I sell underground novelties." <laughs> and this guy, he do, and he said, when he went nothing. He, he said, "Well, can I buy you a drink?" And he sure and, and he stayed with him. He said till he found out what they were talking about. He was talking about <laughs> caskets. 
come to think about it, this guy that was so almost buddy buddy with them, he thought that he, he thought that they were selling a, a, a novelty system. You know, these little novelty things that you get in the drugstores, and mm-hmm. and he that's what he was selling. He thought, thought maybe he could get in on something like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, anyway, that's... <laughs> so, so you ended up selling caskets for 42 years after mm-hmm. that, huh? Mm-hmm. For 42 years, yeah. Is that a job you ever thought you'd do? No, I never did. My dad made a, 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 a he made a, a decent, honest living about it. And, and I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed, I joined the people on the road and the traveling and I enjoyed it. You know, there was one question I, I meant to ask a little earlier, um, but now that the caskets came up, uh, I thought maybe this would be. There was always a risk of not making it home. Did you ever prep a letter or anything to be sent out in case you didn't make it back, or was it I'm going to make it back? I'm not going to think about that. I just never thought about it. I, now that you mention it that way, no, I just I never I never thought it. I never even thought that. Uh, I don't know. I was coming home. <laughs> That's all there was to it. And you did. And, and you I did, yeah. Had a hell of a life since. <laughs> I love it. Oh, God. Is there any advice um, you wish you could give to your younger self? So, to a younger person? Yeah, to anybody. Well, honesty would be the first thing. To be honest with yourself, to be honest with your people, with, with your friends and the people that you work for. It's not It's not easy. But uh, that would be my advice is to be honest and to live a clean life. Uh, that to me is very important. I saw in, when I was in service, it was too much of that. I guess I got one little story if I can tell it. Absolutely. When, I, <laughs> when, we, when we got over into, uh, into Hawaii, uh, Hawaii, Honolulu, and um, uh, we, we were in a, came in from the base, we came in on a bus. And uh, we came in right, right downtown uh, Honolulu, and there was these guys were all standing around in a, in a line, and around the corner and in, in, into the, into a building, and I thought it was, it was a, a, must have been a movie that was a, quite a quite a uh, interesting movie because you're all lined up to get to a, to to see a movie, and uh, when we got off the, they were all laughing at me. And when we got off the bus, he said, "You want to stand in line?" And I said, "Well, what's playing?" He said, "You dumb goof." He said, "That's a it's a whorehouse." <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I said, "I didn't believe it." <laughs> You'll have to excuse the words that I use, but <laughs> it is what it is, my friend. <laughs> oh, it is. But I. I'll never, I was so, it was all green and wet behind there. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's beautiful. <laughs> well, I went to church all the time. That's why I missed out on all that stuff. Yeah, I don't think that's part of Bible study. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, I got to be honest. I, I feel like that's a great way to end the podcast. Mm. I love that story, and it's so fun that you shared that because, I mean, it's a little bit embarrassing that you were that green or wet behind the ears, but yeah. you know what? It is the yeah. truth. Yeah. Well, I, if I'd have kept my mouth shut, that's the, that was the, but I, I always had to ask why. What? <laughs> um, that, that was, that was, uh, 
Oh, well. I got to tell you, I really appreciate your stories that you shared with us today and that you came in to do this. I, well, thank I, you. Honestly, it's an honor to talk to you and your service is appreciated. And, you know, I know you're a humble guy and you, you don't feel that way, but I truly believe you are the greatest generation. Well, so, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. I uh, I do appreciate that very much. Good, I'm glad. And, and you do, you are doing a. I'm, not not many people will do this, and I, I think you're doing a great job for oh, that. Thank you. Because, well, you know, like I said, you know, I'm in I'm in my nineties, so that World War II, or there aren't many of those left. South Korea and, and Vietnam. Yeah, my yeah. my dad pointed out to me the other day. He said, "You know, World War II guys are in their nineties." He's like, "Think about it. I'm seventy two years old. I'm a Vietnam vet, mm-hmm. and it never really clicked in my brain until he pointed it out that there was only a twenty year difference there. Mm-hmm. And sure. uh, but you know, it's 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 there, and it's it's very prevalent. And it's uh, it's just an honor to be able to talk to you today. Well, thank you, thank you. It's just, it's uh, you could all you could almost tell what. What, what war? What what war? The guys were in just by his age. It uh, and and I can tell, uh, I can tell how old a person is, if he's been in service. By I'm ninety. Korea would be fifty years. Uh, would be ten years after that. They'd be in their eighties, and Vietnam would be after that. They'd be in their seventies. Yeah. But then it's, it's 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 funny. But I thought they were supposed the war to end all wars. Right. And that never be, that never will be. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there will ever be a war to end all wars, unfortunately. It's yeah. a sad, sad reality. Well, thank you guys very, very much. I appreciate this. Thank you, I Jack. hope that I didn't disappoint you. No, <laughs> not at amazing. all. Oh, this was amazing. It was, um, yeah, this was a dream come true to be able to speak with you. <laughs>